Kevin. Hi, I'm Jack. This is good company. Wait, that's all wrong. Can't help it. The girl can't help it. She can't help it. The girl can't help it. She walks by. The mean folks can't even grow. All right, we're, we're recording. What? <laughs> oh, you do that. Yeah, I know. I can't help it. Sorry. Ambush you. Hello. Uh, uh, how are you doing? I'm I'm pretty good. Let's now. talk about how glamorous air travel is. Ugh. Uh, oh my We were flying goodness. down to uh, Fort Lauderdale. We a almost week ago died, Friday. people. We almost died. <laughs> that was. We got there. Our flight was originally supposed to leave at six o'clock on Friday. I thought it was five. Five delays later. Delay. Yeah, oh, we're yeah. on the airplane. Finally, we all board at eleven forty. We're on the plane for a hot minute. They shut the door. The the captain comes on and says it's been delayed until the following oh. morning. And then it, and at then, seven. No, uh, at 11 when we were on the plane, by the time we made it back to Alexandria at 12.30 in the morning, the app for JetBlue said it was taking off at 7.30 the next morning, that morning. So, jumped into bed, woke right back up, went to the airport, and now it says it's departing at 9.30. Uh, we eventually left at noon. Uh, <laughs> and on the way down, <laughs> we about two-thirds of the way down, the captain comes on, he says, I'm going to have to deviate a little east to get around some weather and deviate east going south so to we're heading Florida out over the atlantic means we're over the ocean and we're literally in the bermuda triangle literally, <laughs> literally in the bermuda triangle oh my God. and the turbulence starts and we had a seat between us so we pulled up the flight tracker map and you could see well let I- me let me let me just stop you right there <laughs> I always like to watch the flight tracker map. I love to watch a little airplane travel on that well, little line. Neither of us there. had it on because when we <laughs> when we fired it up, it, it was going and it had started making a circle. And I was well, like, after I, we'd circled for thirty to forty five minutes, it I just th- kept getting worse and worse. And then at one point, right, we were on our we were fifth die. lap that we we hit this turbulence and the plane just falls out of the sky. And everybody, including Jack, who's pretty unflappable well, and flying. Well, I didn't scream or anything, but... But you, you thought I, you were going to throw up. <laughs> I, I actually got nauseous. I actually looked for the... I actually looked to make sure there was a nauseous bag. A guy a couple of rows in front of us just screamed, fuck, at yeah, the top there were, of his Yeah, there was lung. cussing and screaming and, and I, I was I was and... saying, oh my God, the pe- there was audible gasps. <laughs> and, you know, and then the plane bucks and goes straight up 100 feet. The only person who wasn't panicking was that <laughs> five-year-old girl to our left. She was... A, she was a, so we were on the right hand side of the road. The her her mother and father were on the left hand side of the road, and she was going, "Wee, that's like fun, wee." It was wee, and her father looked like he was about to die. I was, was like, I had the this is how it ends moment. I was like, this is how it ends. I, I was just hoping that I wouldn't uh, evacuate anything. Oh, jeez, void your yeah, bowels. Well, anything. <laughs> I I was worried I might pee because I have never. That actually was the scariest thing to ever. It was terrifying. So after a while, the pilot comes on and he says, sorry about that, because they've been quiet. And he said, we've had our hands full up in the cockpit. That's never good to hear from the pilots. We had our hands full. Wait, the plane isn't flying itself at this point? So then... Because we'd been trapped. We traveled. So the plane... The airport in Fort Lauderdale was closed because of of electrical storms. we had circled so much, we were running out of fuel. Yeah. And so then he's like, we're going to reroute to Palm Beach and see what our options are. <laughs> so then we see that the little line shows we're heading now into Palm Beach. You can see the it predicts where you're going or it shows where you're going. So we fly in over Palm Beach and then we do a U-turn and we head back out to Turbulence Central. Uh, I don't know what that was. We went all the way back out to where the turbulence was, well, did but- another U-turn and we finally landed in Palm Beach at like... 
quarter of three? Uh, no, it was later than that. Because my favorite part of that was, well, we can't put the ramp down because it's a big metal tube and there's lightning strikes outside and we don't want the lightning to hit the tube. No, well, that was the when ramp. we got, that, No, no, no. That's when we finally got to Fort Lauderdale. That no, wasn't that wasn't at Palm that Beach. That was Palm Beach. Because people couldn't get off the plane. Listen, no, no, no. They listen, wouldn't let what, us leave the plane because they didn't want us to get. They that's didn't want us it. To no, be no, killed. no, 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 no. You're getting it. You're getting confused because we landed in Palm Palm Beach, and then they said anybody who wants to get off the plane now can get off the plane now oh, and make it right. to wherever they're going. But the check baggage. And check people baggage, were cussing and screaming. The check at the, baggage is not going to be st- unloaded. All oh, the poor flight attendants. So, There's fucking fucking. Bleh, 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 yeah, bleh, bleh, people were not bleh, bleh, having bleh. it. So they said it. You can disembark if you want and make your way to Fort Lauderdale or wherever you're going. But the luggage that's been checked is not going to be unloaded here. It's all going. Ninety percent of the plane got off. Yes. We were there were twenty people left out of almost two hundred. It was pretty funny. So we were there for about an hour, and they're and like, then, and then it was like, but if you get up, they, I guess I think we were allowed to leave the. Were we allowed? No, to you leave? were allowed to disembark. Oh, we were You had to, to stay the there. Or, and the staff, I want to say, we again, made friends with them. JetBlue, the Boston crew on flight nineteen eighty, was that it? Nineteen eighty. Yeah. They were fantastic. They 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 the we were making friends with the one yeah, flight attendant, yeah, and she was great. like, listen. I don't know about any of that. I, I just she, served drinks. I served Pepsis and snacks. I don't know about the fly. I don't I know about the weather. Her. I don't know about that. I just give you Pepsis and snacks. She's been doing that fun. for 13 years. And she said, I said, is that the worst turbulence you've been in? And she said, no. And I said, but and she's like, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, she, so, just, she, she did acknowledge that it was bad. She said, yeah, sometimes it puts me to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I, I. So anyway, we're like, fuck it. So we stayed and there was a woman sitting in the row in front of us. She was she trying, trying to, to get to Bimini. Bimini. So after about 40 minutes, the pilot came out. He's okay. like, we're going we're gonna to get fuel. Let's we're going to head this. down to Fort Lauderdale. So about we got we got the fuel and it, and it was about took us about fifteen minutes. We never got higher than seven thousand feet. Landed in Fort Lauderdale. You went to get the luggage. The people with the little kid next to us who disembarked and rented a car in Palm because Beach because they were not willing to stay they, on they the plane. Willing, to they were willing to risk it. They were they pulled right up next they to you. They pulled up right as 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 I was waiting to get the luggage. I felt bad for them. I felt bad for them, but I was like, you know, they they don't want us to perish they're gonna try and take yeah they're gonna try take but when we landed in fort lauderdale and everything was fine and they brought the ramp down and it's quiet we're all we're all cheering and then after about 10 minutes nothing happened and even the stewardesses were like what the fuck's going on and the pilot came on one last time and he said sorry folks just as we attached the uh, causeway to the 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 jet there was an electrical strike within the grounds of the airport and you're not allowed to disembark so we had to wait another 20 minutes i actually started laughing and then then i invoked what did your mom say is it over is Is it it finally finally over over? when she finally got the gas leak fixed it was right so and then there was some guy on the plane who he looked uh he looked ex-military so he's probably a contract employee for one of the companies and he you know he looked very like you know uh, sir, yes, sir, kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. And we were down at the luggage thing, and the luggage took forever. I mean, it was like, I want to say, it wasn't, well, I'd say forever, 20, 30 minutes. It took a while. And he kept checking his phone, and I said, did you stay on the plane, or did you get off the plane? He goes, no, 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 I was on the plane. He goes, by the way, our luggage is still on the plane. I have an air tag. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't matter because by the time I went to get the car and got into the traffic jam that was Fort Lauderdale, getting remember when we got actually got to the airport, how it was like Times Square at New Year's Oof. Eve. 
It oh. was wall-to-wall people at every terminal. You you had to literally force well, your way through the entire terminal well, to get I out. I don't know what was going on in there the world. There were cancellations everywhere. Weather was wreaking My havoc. My best friend Frank was in Indianapolis that day trying to catch a plane. Yep. And another friend of mine was in Columbus trying to get a plane. Mm-hmm. And Cord and she, I think she she said she had to sleep in the airport. She, for she's still minutes. there. She's still there. <laughs> she finally made it home. Her luggage took five days to find her, but Damn. she didn't make. Uh, Frank, I think Frank, it took him all day to get out of Indianapolis to get back to uh, uh, Arizona, mm-hmm. and and it was just like what? So whatever is go- whatever is going wrong with the planes, whether it's the weather or the crews or the planes or the or it was the, the weather. Other, it is just it super backs up. It's and really bad because you get that one delay, it just ripples through the entire network. And, and- I had been, I had been so stressed out lately that that week was just a horrible week for me. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't care. Take the plane down. I don't when, we care. Were in the, when we were on the ground in Palm Beach, I went up to the crew and I said, now tell me, you guys aren't going to time out. You're like, you've been on the plane too long. And just as we're about to leave, they're like, no, we need a fresh crew. And they're in Minneapolis yeah. at the moment. Or the pilot's like, no, everybody's got time. And I'm like, and this jet is going to go to Fort Lauderdale. It's not going to be JetBlue needs <laughs> this in Boston. we were friendly with It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going Fort, Fort Lauderdale. Because <laughs> I was like, fuck it at that point. If we're going to Boston, let's just go to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> what could happen? As terrifying as that flight was, what happened at the Colonel Brooks Tavern oh back in 2003? You are so bad at segue. I don't know. It's a, I, I don't know how to get oh, this story well, started. Well, let me let, let me just take that back. Yes, what happened at the Colonel Brooks Tavern is far, 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 far worse than anything we've experienced. But that was a really bad segue. Kevin. Well, you try anyway, it next time. I don't. I'd have to work on it, and that and you do all the work. Yeah, well, so, there you go. <laughs> listeners know that <laughs> exactly, and I will tell anybody who will listen. So there. City Confidential. City Confidential. Season 12. Season 12. Episode 3. Episode 3. It's Bloodshed in Brooklyn. Bloodshed in Brooklyn. And it's actually pronounced Brookland here in Bro- D.C. Oh, you're, I'm sorry. The, yes. And I, I did that. It's you this is correct, a district, sir. And this is part of Northeast D.C. up by Catholic University. And Again, we're up by Catholic? Yeah. Were we there before? The 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 Gallaudet murders. Oh, okay, yeah, Gallaudet. Well, I guess that's kind of over there. That's right. That's right. I remember. Do you remember Cool Disco Dan, the the cool graffiti artist? Disco Dan. Cool Disco Dan was a very famous graffiti artist here in D.C. in the 1980s. Ooh, no. And um, he was everywhere. And I just remember riding the metro whenever you were over over by Catholic. Cool Disco Dan was like on every exposed. I'm uh, having a vague, vague memory. Uh, he's a it, local legend. Because because you brought up graffiti, we have to go off on a tangent. There's okay. two things. There was also a guy, uh, a graffiti artist in the late 80s, early 90s called Ultra. Uh-huh. Do you remember Ultra? I remember Ultra. So Ultra was everywhere. There was Ultra, Ultra. Ultra. And I yep. was traveling with a, I was driving, we were at work actually, and there was somebody in the car with me and we were moved, We were going from one place. And I said, oh look, Ultra. He tags every place he's killed somebody. Oh, and they believed me. God damn it. So and then, so that's there's that graffiti story and here's the other graffiti story. If you are on the Rock Creek Parkway yeah. going southbound out of, D- so you're coming down, coming down Rock Creek Parkway south and mm-hmm. you go under the, you go uh, past the Watergate and right. you're on the Rock Creek Parkway and then you're passing the Kennedy Center on your left. Okay. The, the bridge that's over to your right, I'm not sure if that's a train bridge or a traffic bridge, there across the middle section, the middle set, one of the middle sections, the girder things, someone has graffitied the word 
Jack in giant black and gray letters across Fabulous. the whole thing. So every time I go back, I think, I've got a fan club. <laughs> I know that has nothing to do with me, but I'm going to claim it. The best, I've mentioned this before, the best graffiti on the entire planet is on the outer loop of the Beltway as you're approaching the Mormon temple that <gasps> looks a- exactly like the Emerald City. Yes. It looks exactly, and somebody wrote on the bridge as you're coming up, Surrender Dorothy. It's not there anymore. It's been painted over, it's but you can still see it. Over. You can see it through the paint. I know. It's the best. Sad. So yeah. anyway, okay, okay, okay. back we to City get, Confidential. Okay, okay. okay. <clears throat> okay Palm okay. Sunday. Palm Sunday. 2003. We are in the aforementioned Brookland section of Washington, D.C. It's 8 a.m., and the police have received a frantic 911 call from the Colonel Brooks Tavern. It's the assistant manager, and he says the place is being robbed by two hooded men. He has run to the rooftop while the rest of his employees were left downstairs with the intruders. This is Detective Mitch Cradles, and he is here with us for the majority of the episode. He ran to the roof for his safety. He's out on the roof, and his employees are downstairs with the with the gunman. When police arrive, the tavern is virtually empty. Uh, it looks like they're setting up for the morning. Coffee is brewing. There are some vegetables on the table in the kitchen. It's very quiet, and it doesn't seem like anything very bad is going on. But when the police finally make their way back to the kitchen and open the walk-in freezer, they make a gruesome discovery. This is Michael C. Irving. He is a detective with the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department. And then they start immediately... Um, putting out on the radio what their findings are. They're saying, we have multiple people down. We have multiple people shot. Have the homicide unit respond. When I first got the call that there's a triple murder at Colonel Brooks, I was like, huh? So many things just going through my mind. Colonel Brooks? Brooklyn? There's no way in the world someone got murdered there. When I arrived on the crime scene, I walked to where the freezer was. I saw shell casings everywhere, blood everywhere. And just the amount of shell casings that were on the floor, I could tell it was um, possibility it was more than one shooter. So there are bullet casings everywhere, everywhere, which means there's probably at least two shooters. But the heart-rending scene in the walk-in is what really gets to this one investigator. It looked like the last victim tried to claw her way out of the walk-in. Oh. This is Deborah Sines. She is an attorney for the District of Columbia. There were visible scratches at the ground level where her body was. That showed she was shot last. She's laying there listening and watching her friends get killed. And she's got nowhere to go. And she's trying to dig out of a a refrigerated room. It was just wrong. Just wrong. So... If we're understanding that correctly, it's terrifying. She literally, her fingernails, she was clawing into the concrete. Can you imagine how terrifying that must have been? It's completely heart-wrenching. And it's just, I actually, okay, now, I know I make everything about me, so I'm going to make this about me. Okay. So we watch a lot, you know, Kevin and I watch a lot of these murder killer things. Sure. Very few of them really bother me. It usually bothers me when it's like kids. You or, mentioned this. Yeah, we'll and to this you. one, I actually like kind of choked up. Yeah. And it really, really bothered me. The 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 guy that you the mentioned, senselessness of this is Mitch really Cradle, tough. I like that Mitch is a detective. Great guy. Oh my god, he was he's got such, a lot of heart. Yeah, and he knows these people. Oh, we, we get just, to that. It was heart wrenching. Okay, I'm sorry, guy. We learned the victims are 34 year old Joshua Greenberg. He's the head chef, and then there was 48 year old Naomi Payne. She is she the veteran the cook. cook. Yeah, she's the head cook. 
So when the investigator comes to the third ID, when Mitch comes to the third ID, it's Rodney Bonds. He'd grown up with him, and it really shook him. This is Detective Cradles again. Now, when I look at the third card, I'm already feeling bad. When I look at the third card, I saw the photograph of Rodney Bonds. It's almost like I was frozen. I just kept staring at this photograph, and it was like, oh my God, Rodney? Rodney and I grew up in the same neighborhood. We lived around the corner from each other. We were in the same playground. And he was just a guy who would never cause a problem for anyone. I mean, I can't even ever recall Rodney in a fist fight. He was kind, he was sweet, always smiling. And to see that was just it was just very traumatic. So the picture, that picture, Rodney, oh. he's got that thousand watt smile. He you could does. tell he was just a big lovable barrel of a dude. And and um I feel like that married, had a kid. Yeah. And just probably, you know, didn't have an enemy in the world. No. So they feel it was probably an inside job because there was no evidence of a forced entry. And everyone seemed to leave on good terms from the tavern. There was no antagonism with any of the patrons, any of the employees. The vibe at the tavern was a good one. And the way it was, and the way that it happened, it was someone who obviously knew the routine. The employees came in at a certain time to get things up, ready, going before the major, before a lot of the employees, you know, the, the, the starter employees came in to get things right, going yeah, yeah, yeah. before yeah, the your secondary. First line. Before your first, oh, good work. Yeah, uh. first line. Your first line comes in, then the second line comes in before the customers are anywhere near. Right. So, so yeah. they knew the routine of the restaurant. Right. And they knew there'd be money. So at this point, Cradles gets all of the identification for all 200 current and former employees. 200 100 names. Now, now that's some fucking police work. And actually, it's very interesting to me to also think of this. Think of this. Mm-hmm. It's only 200. Yeah. Now, think of that. Yeah. The restaurant a, was so... It's a good so, thing that Colonel Brooks was kind of small. It's Well, no, no, no. Because what I'm saying is, is people didn't leave there... Um, oh, they didn't have a big turnover. They didn't have a lot of turnover because people actually liked working there. So the reason that there were only 200 people, current and former... Most of them were loyal, that's, yeah. Think of, think of how many people you've worked with in your life and how many people have come in and gone out of yeah, your Yeah, a lot. So 200, that's actually a very, very small number. It's a, especially it's a, it's a, in the service industry. It's a, a small number. But I don't care. It still makes the task oh, really daunting. Oh, no, no, no. I am not, I'm not saying it is not a heavy task. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to go I am vet saying that is telling you yeah. how much the people that work there really liked, liked working it. there. It was a good place to work, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's three months after the murders. It's now July. Detective Cradles is about halfway through the list, and he's come to the names that begin with M. And that's when things start to change, and he gets an anonymous phone call. He said, I, I know what happened. I want to tell you. His good friend had told him that he's the one who shot and killed the female. He said, there's no way in the world Tyree killed someone. And he said he really thought Tyree was just messing with him. And that's when he told me that his good friend went to this tavern, Colonel Brooks, and they robbed the place. Tyree told him they only got like $3,200 wasn't a lot of money. So he goes and meets this guy at a nearby park, and he tells him what his friend had told him what had happened. So the guy is named Tyree Bunn, and he said that they had robbed the tavern, but they only got 3200 And that makes Detective Cradles sit up and take notice, because that is something they'd never made public. 
So now they ask this anonymous informer if he'll wear a wire, and he's like, yeah, sure. I get the feeling he he kind of liked adventure. Well, but either that or he actually like I know how to f- help fix. The, I want to help. Not this. fix. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to help. I want to help, help with this. You know? Yeah. And because he knew that that amount, that specific amount, he knew the well that that Tyree knew, did. So this guy, credibility. Yeah. Yes, Cradle knew this guy actually was talking about the, the was, actual was, robbery. Knew what he was talking about. So this guy gets in the car with Tyree, and Tyree cannot help himself, and he just starts running his mouth about the whole thing and we get everything <laughs> i said look man we have a, a situation whereas we can just put you in a vehicle with him he said cool no problem we were very very concerned about him not saying anything that would jeopardize his safety turns out he was really good at this so yeah, the anonymous informant was apparently pretty good at this stuff. Well, it's really funny. It's I can't imagine this. This is one of those things, and all of these things that we listen to. Okay, this is one of those things of all those things, right? So you have committed a crime mm-hmm. and kind of you in got a way away gotten away with it. They had, and it's taken. And, and the first thing you do is turn around and tell someone everything thank, you've done. Thank God, people do that all the time I because guess. there would be so many perfect crimes I if somebody guess. didn't talk. Mm-hmm. So we learn from Tyree, who says everybody thinks that there were two shooters. He says there were, in fact, four. And the one who organized it was named David Wright. He'd been let go from the tavern the previous summer, and he wanted to go back and rob the place. This is Carlos Wilcox. He's the former manager of the Colonel Brooks Tavern. He's going to tell us a little bit about David's attitude problem. (laughs) We all know somebody like this. Hey, hey, hey. David Wright did not like to listen to management. He didn't want to follow directions. He didn't want to be told what to do. He wanted to be his own boss. He loved to laugh and play, um, but he was a dirty cook, so his area was always dirty. So, yeah, that's disgusting. He was fired because he was unsanitary. <laughs> I, and I feel it's like a they cook. Unsanitary is a cook. <laughs> Makes me why I never want to see kitchens in so yeah. many of the restaurants. How I many eat times in. have I said that to you? I don't want to see the kitchen. I yeah. do not want to see the cooks. I do not want I to see back like there. California Pizza Kitchen, like everything is right there. I, I agree that it it has a charm and, and you know those kind of places are kept really clean. And, but, you know, if you watch long enough, uh-huh. you're going to see something the guy funky. wipe his nose and, and pick up grab the dough your or something. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to see that. I do not want to see that. So when... David was fired. He was so nonchalant about it that Wilcox never thought to bring him to the attention of the police. He did not stand out. He was so nonchalant. He was like, oh, well, like, I knew it was coming. He personally knew Rodney and Naomi. Personally knew them. He knew she had plans for the future. He knew Rodney was a father with a wife at home. Like, he knew this stuff. He worked there. It's, It's just... Obviously, Wilcox was very disturbed by the fact that David Wright knew all of these people, and yet he murdered them in cold blood. Um, And I think it got to you the same way. Yeah. So originally, the plan was only to rob the place. And once they had gotten them all in the freezer, Naomi recognized David. They were masked, but Naomi recognized David. And she said, don't do this, David. That's and David said they gotta go. 
So yeah, as you pointed out, as she said to him, "David, don't do this," and, she, and she hadn't have done that. And it's not. I'm not. I'm trying not victim to, blaming. I'm not victim blaming at all. But you know that woman was like appealing to his what humanity. What you do? You know she was like, "What are you doing?" Because Naomi seemed to be beloved. You and know, if she hadn't said that, they probably would have. They Just probably would left have them in killed. there. It's so horrible. It's so. It really did bother me. I got choked up. I, I actually got upset about yeah. it. Yeah. So it doesn't take long after the authorities announce who the suspects are that someone calls in and says David Wright is hiding out down in Colonial Heights outside of Richmond. Here's a clip from back in the day of the police chief making the announcement. We are describing him to be considered armed and extremely dangerous. We're asking anyone that has information as to his whereabouts or if they should see him, please take no direct action, but call police. So the police locate where he's staying and they form a perimeter around the home and David Wright is not going to get through it. The situation is very tense and they're waiting for him to go out in a blaze of glory. But eventually they make entrance into the building and they find this. And I'm like, what? He's in the bathtub inside of a pool of blood. I mean, it's just full of blood and he's, he's naked. I just stood there and just like, damn, he went out like this. So he was a criminal and he was a coward and he took the easy way out and he committed suicide. He just sliced his wrists. And so many people were disappointed that he never actually faced justice. I mean, the one woman said, yeah, burning in hell for all eternity. I re- you know what? Actually, that that kind of made me smile. Yeah. Like the, that that she was like, well, you know, he didn't really get to pay for his crimes, but yeah. he is going to burn in hell for eternity. <laughs> she kind of remember and, that. And I was like, that's good. That's a good, that's good, that's good. <laughs> Tyree and the accomplice Joel plead guilty to second degree murder in December 2006, and they get 24 years and 30 years respectively. Rodney Durham, who we don't hear much about in this episode, got first degree murder, and I suspect he may have killed someone as well, and he got 75 years. Now, that would lead me to believe, and of course, I know absolutely nothing about the in, the inner details of right, all this, right. but that would lead me to believe that David... Mm-hmm had no intention of hurting or killing anybody. Right. And that this Rodney dude did the... Well, we have to kill him now. We have to kill him now. We have to kill him now. I, and I, that's what I think... That's not what I got from it. I got oh, David. No, no David was I the think, ringleader. I think David may have been the ring... You know, it's like having that wild card. You know, like, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go in. We're going to tie him up. Yeah. We're going to put him in the... Th- and we're going to take the money. So when Naomi leave. says, David, don't David, do this, then and it's like... That's, Na- and that I... This is so my you, personal... You think little, Rodney's like, we got to kill him. Rodney's like, we got to kill him. And he killed them. And then David's like, what the f- Oh, my. And I wonder David if Ty- Tyree and uh, Joel told the uh, prosecutors well, they were, that they I, were like. I would think it wasn't it wasn't somewhere somewhere. I was under the impression that they had separated, that it was the two in the freezer with the with the right, two. Right. The other two went upstairs. And then the other two were to elsewhere, get the money. So they weren't all together at the same time. So the two of them. Uh, it was probably Rodney and um, David in the uh, walk. Bingo. That's what I think happened. Oh, okay. and, and I that is just my own personal little take on this. It could okay. be completely wrong. But I think Rodney. I think you're right. Freaked, freaked out and she killed them, yeah. or started to kill them. And once you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Rodney yeah. and David yeah. was like, "Oh my God, what have I done?" Yeah. And that's why he killed himself. That's my personal take on it because that, in a weird way, which is horrible, kind of redeems David no, a little. I know what well, you're going for, but it acknowledges his guilt. I, well, he feels yes, badly. But of course, he, but of course, you would feel bad. You don't have any intention of doing something. Yeah. It's like you know, if if two people walk into a place and someone says something bad to you, and the one person's like, "Well, let's turn around and leave," and the other one hauls off and punches them. 
the other person who had nothing to do with it still gets charged with the same with the person who hauled off and pumped. My my point is what I'm trying to say is yeah. is I don't think that in my like David said, went in there with guns the, blazing. Dave, yeah, he was. Like, we take some money, we leave. And right. I think the other guy messed up the whole. And also, plan. Rodney might have a, a, a history that would you know. We don't know would, anything about right. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You tend to forget the victims' families when you start focusing on the actual events. But here's Joshua's sister explaining how this devastated her father, and he never got over it. My father actually has not recovered. He, you know, people get on with their lives after a while, but, you know, it never goes away. And I feel like it actually broke him. Joshua's death broke him. And it's like his life stopped at that moment when his son was murdered. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that, 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 that tore me up. The, that really the tore misery, me up. The, the, the ripple effect of all that. And here's Carlos, the former manager, talking about a dream he had about Naomi. I think I talked to him in my, in my dreams. I, I Recently, I saw Naomi. Um, I was just laughing and talking. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And that's very touching. You it remember, is. you know, they have, he has this very positive, yes. happy memory of her. And... The beloved, close, she was beloved. Yeah, she seemed she like beloved. Naomi. I Naomi's a sweetheart name. Oh. I've never met a Naomi that wasn't nice. Oh, and, and yeah. Oh. We get this one last bit from Detective Cradle about Rodney, and we see that great picture of Rodney and his million watts really? smile. What a what a great photo. When I say the case was my heart, it was my heart because Rodney was a good Rodney was Rodney was a great guy. He was a good friend. Me saying it was my heart is just. It's just Rodney. So that is the twisted tale of the murders at the really, Colonel Brooks Tavern. I, it's so unusual. Not unusual. I mean, if you, it's just it really hit me, and I don't know why because of the innocence of the people. Yeah, involved. I the don't senselessness know what, of but it. it. Senseless. Ooh, good yeah, senseless. it was. And it it really did bother me. And the, so. that the Colonel Brooks Tavern closed in 2012. It really uh, ne- it did. Tw- it, it, it it was a you know a, 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 it was a, a landmark. It was it was a, kind of a neighborhood landmark. It had well, been there forever. You know, it, was, it was a it was a known entity that you know yeah. after and, and that area has changed so dramatically since then. Yeah. In terms of that wasn't the best part of town in 2003. And, and that place, of course, has changed now. Where you know yeah, you can't buy they a place there for love to keep money. the property now. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, so it's a very unfortunate thing. So. You know, it's just very sad. Yeah. These people do these dumb, dumb things. Oh, you, you were likening it stupid. to the um, the Starbucks murders oh, in Georgetown. Oh, that's right. I didn't even bring that up. So this, of course, when as soon as we started re- as soon as we started, you know, research on this, the first thing I thought of was the Georgetown Starbucks, where those three people, the 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 manager, in, the, in, and, and employee, were three two people, employees, right? Kill, two people, yes, were killed in, in Georgetown, the on and the guy didn't Avenue. even get any money. Yeah, he just and it's like the insanity. And of course, they and, eventually caught him. He went to. He's going to be in jail for the rest of his life. And it, yeah, but it, yeah, and on Wisconsin senseless. Avenue in Georgetown, but, that's that's so high profile. If, you if just you, can't think of a violent yes, crime over there. If you live in the D.C. area, the Starbucks is directly below the Safeway where the Georgetown flea market. The social is. Safeway. <laughs> the social Safeway, exactly. And um, it is it is. It is such, and it was like five o'clock in the morning or something oh, God, like that. You yeah. know, some early time, and it was just it 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 it, it it's, it's so another one of those. Senseless. It's very similar. And then, of course, me the way I look at things when when I found out that so there were four people who robbed the the Colonel yeah. the the, the, the uh, restaurant Colonel Brooks the Colonel Brooks restaurant tavern, and they got three thousand two hundred dollars. Yeah, three people died. Yep, 
and they got three thousand two hundred. Three people died, and dozens of lives and were destroyed. Just, just ruined. Yeah. Just, everybody's lives was just ruined. It just, I don't. It it's just, terrible. You can't make sense of it. I try so hard to make. It just, yeah, you can't do it. My brain just doesn't understand these it's things. Not. Thank you for listening. And thank you very much. We'll be, be back nice. next time. Make good choices. Right. Have a good night. Or more. That someday the ass will be the girl can't have it.